We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. This is the week four podcast of the 2016 season. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of Bear Report and my co-host Aaron Lemming. Not able to join me today. I'm actually going to be out of town for most of this week and Aaron wasn't able to hop on with me. Uh, going to do it solo today, kind of a throwback to the podcast that I used to do a couple of years ago. Uh, but I just got done watching the film of last night's Bears-Cowboys game, so it's fresh in my mind. I wrote a bunch of notes down here and I want to go over some of the things that I saw on film. Uh, during the uh, 31-17 loss to the Dallas Cowboys, Bears now 0-3 last in the NFC North. And uh, it didn't look good, guys. I mean, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. We all saw it on on uh, uh, the, uh, our televisions last night, and, and it was uh, it was bad from start to finish. Both sides of the uh, football did not uh, come out strong, and uh, they, they didn't finish strong either. They didn't look good in the middle. So there were some things, uh, some positives that I will talk about here in a bit, uh, but overall, uh, you know the Bears. We there was some concern from from the outside that this was going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. And with the injuries that they have right now, they definitely look like uh, one of the worst teams in the NFL. And and it's it's going to be interesting to see who who has the heart on this team and who's going to be able to step up and at least uh, you know play with some pride here because it looked like a lot of guys were going through the motions last night, which is really disappointing. Uh, but let's start off with the injuries. Let's uh, uh, go through a few of what. Uh, 
you know, what the Bears are dealing with right now, which isn't good. Jay Cutler, Eddie Goldman, uh, Danny Trevathan, and Bryce Callahan, all starters for the Bears, uh, did not play in last night's contest, and that's on top of uh, Lamar Houston being placed on IR with a torn ACL earlier in the week. Bears also lost uh, Harold Jones-Cordy, the starting safety, to a concussion. He's now in the concussion protocol. And uh, Jeremy Langford left the game, which what was originally reported on NBC as an Achilles injury actually is an ankle injury. And Ian Rappaport of the uh, NFL.com reporting that it's a, a sprained ankle. No word yet on the severity of Langford's uh, uh, sprain. But, uh, you know, a sprain could be anywhere from two two to four weeks. So I expect him to just be out for another couple of weeks. And, and, and really based on what we saw uh, last night, it's not a huge blow. But I did think that Langford and Jordan Howard really looked like that one-two uh, combination that we had talked about uh, in the offseason. A lot of people envisioned with this uh, offensive backfield. We hadn't really seen it up to that point uh, because it was really Jeremy Langford's show and he really wasn't getting the job done. And then you throw... Jordan Howard in there, and bam, his first run was a 31-yard run, and he had the majority of the carries. I think he had uh, nearly 40, uh, 40 snaps on offense, where Langford only had 15. Uh, the, the, the sprained ankle played into that, but it, but it appeared that the Bears really went with a hot hand, something they had talked about doing uh, all offseason, and they actually executed that, uh, giving Jordan Howard the, the ball, uh, the majority of the snaps. The problem is they only ran the ball 15 times, and the Bears now rank... I believe they're third fewest in the NFL in uh, rushing attempts, and that's uh, that's a, that's a problem. I mean, Dow Loggins, he definitely appears as if he's a little bit overmatched. I mean, we go back to what Dow Loggins did in Tennessee; didn't have a whole lot of success as their offensive coordinator for two years. And you see some good things occasionally from from Loggins and his play calling and the execution, but it really seems to shut down. Uh, particularly in the third down situations and near the uh, the red zone. Bears were 2 for 10 in uh, third down last night, and that was really what, what killed them on offense. I mean, they, they had some good first down runs. They were able to uh, uh, to move the ball consistently on the ground, at least early on, but they weren't able to capitalize on those early gains. And, and you know, when, when it came time to having to execute in those big plays, even those third and short plays, they just really weren't able to do it. And that, you know, that continually stalled drives and ended drives. And that's what allowed the, the Cowboys to rack up points. The Cowboys, they didn't punt the ball until the third quarter. I mean, they just, they just kept scoring every time they had the football. I think it was uh, first five straight uh, times the Cowboys, or four straight times the Cowboys had the football um, they were able to put points on the board, so uh, it was uh, it, it was a disappointing effort on third down. But I did I did see some good things from that rushing attack, especially Jordan Howard. And, and with Langford having this sprained ankle, it appears that it's going to be uh, the Jordan Howard show, show going forward. We're going to get a little bit of Kadeem Carey if uh, he's able to come back from from that hamstring injury. But I thought he sh- I mean he ran for five yards per carry last night, uh, caught four passes for forty seven yards, showed some good quickness, uh, good hands. And some light feet for a player of his size. And I really think he showed the all-around ability. Gave the offense a little bit of a spark when it needed it. And, uh, you know, the guy falls forward. He makes uh, he gets those extra yards after contact, which is something that, that Langford really, really struggles with. So, uh, I, I, for the Bears' sake, you hope that Langford can get back and provide that. I mean, he looked good in a secondary role. He only had those 15 snaps. But he really made the most of them was, uh, you know, a weapon in the passing game, too. Had two catches for 15 yards, one for a third down conversion and uh you know ran for uh 10 yards a carry yesterday three three carries for 31 yards so in in a complimentary role it looked like Langford was actually you know he looked very good he looked like he did last year when he was uh supporting Matt Forte so I think if you have Jordan Howard as that primary back and Langford as your secondary guy 
you have the makings of a pretty good backfield right there. And, uh, you know, if the offensive line can start opening up holes like they did uh, on a number of occasions last night, that's a, there's enough talent between those two uh, where the Bears should be able to have some more consistent success running the football here going forward. Now, defensively, uh, it, it was ugly from the start. I mean, the, the uh, loss of Eddie Goldman was notable, noticeable from the first snap, along with Danny Trevathan. You know, uh, the first snap of uh, uh, the Cowboys offense, the, uh, Ezekiel Elliott ran for 21 yards, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And, uh, you know, it, it, Will Sutton, he was just pushed around by that massive uh, offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys, as was Mitch Unrein. I thought that uh, Akeem Hicks got some some penetration here and there, but really didn't have any impact plays. A lot of his tackles came a few yards down the field. One thing I noticed from Hicks on the uh, the, the film is that he, he tends to get his shoulders turned, especially in short yarded situations. He's always looking to penetrate and shoot a gap, uh, and that that you know that that uh, cuts off his field vision. He ends up running running past the running back. So I think if he if he were able to square up his shoulders a little bit more. Uh, consistently, he might be better in those areas. But, uh, yeah, you know, Ezekiel Elliott had 140 yards on the ground. Uh, the uh, Cowboys overall had 199 yards, one yard away from giving up 200 yards on the ground. And now the Bears are one of the worst rushing teams, rushing defenses in the NFL because of that effort. And, you know, again, that, that had a lot to do with, with Sutton and Unrein really not getting the job up, up, up the middle. And the loss of Danny Trevathan was really felt, too. Drell Freeman had an outstanding game, 12 total tackles. Just made plays all over the field as he's done the entire season, but without any support, he, you know, he just couldn't do it on his own. That's where you know the the, the loss of Danny Trevathan is really big. I, you saw a few good things out of Nick Kwiatkowski, the the Bears' uh, rookie linebacker. Uh, he was kind of easily blocked early in the game, and I thought he he ran himself out of a couple plays. But that uh, he he was used as a blitzer about three or four times, and on one of those. Uh, blitzes, he put Lyle Collins right on his butt, and I'm sure everybody saw it. You, you drop a player of Lyle Collins' size, uh, you know, as well as his girth, I mean, that just shows that, that, that Kwiatkowski is a grown man and ready to play at this NFL level. Still has some seasoning, still has some, uh, uh, you know, some technique things he needs to, 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 to work on, but it, you definitely saw the toughness out of that kid. They rotated Kwiatkowski and uh, Jonathan Anderson, uh, Anderson coming in in the nickel situation, similar to what they did last season with uh, Anderson and Timu, now Kwiatkowski now taking that role in the base three, four sets. And, uh, you know, the, the the results just weren't there overall. A lack of pass rush really hurt the Bears as well. Uh, you know, Willie Young, once again, non-existent in this game. Leonard Floyd really didn't do a whole lot either. And, uh, you know, you're starting to feel that loss of Pernell McPhee. You feel that loss of uh, Lamar Houston. Sam Acho uh, was actually the, the bright spot there, uh, was the only guy on the team uh, to get a sack in the game. But Or, I'm sorry, a quarterback hit in the game. But, you know, it... It definitely wasn't enough for Macho, and you really can't be relying on Sam Macho at this point. Bears need a little bit more, or a lot more, out of Willie Young, who's really done nothing, and Leonard Floyd has been kind of invisible the last couple of games as well. And one thing that is kind of concerning with Leonard Floyd is that he, he had 41 snaps, I believe, and uh, only rushed the passer on 11 of those snaps. And you got to wonder, I mean, you, you moved up. To, uh, he had 40 snaps. You moved up into the into the top 10 to get a to get a pass rusher, and I know that he's a versatile player. He's he, he has experience in coverage, uh, but having played mid, inside linebacker for Georgia as well. I mean, he, he can do a lot of different things, but 
he needs to be utilized as a pass rusher. And, you know, no one's, he's not, you're not fooling anybody by dropping him into coverage anymore. I mean, everybody knows that he's, he's adept in that position and that he can, he has value there. And, you know, it's almost like you're wasting his pass rush ability. Let this kid develop. Let him get after the quarterback and see what he can do. 11 pass rushes, I mean, that, that we're looking at a quarter of his, a little over a quarter of his, uh, his snaps were going after the quarterback. It seems like a waste, especially when Willie Young's not getting the, the job done on the other side. I know that Fangio tried to blitz a little bit. I think he had five or six blitzes I counted in the first half trying to, to generate some type of pass rush from that from that second level. But, you know, when it comes down to it, it let the kid, let the guy that you spent that that ninth overall pick on, let him get after the quarterback and see what he can do. I think it's, uh, you know, we saw that, uh, you know, when he was in coverage, he is he is good, but Jason Witten really made him look stupid on that goal line play, spun him around, and Leonard Floyd didn't have a chance. I don't know why you have in that situation Leonard Floyd one-on-one with one of the best uh, uh, future Hall of Fame tight end. Uh, and, and Witten just took advantage of it and nearly scored. They, they ended up putting, him at, putting it at the one-yard line, but they, they did end up scoring a touchdown. And, you know, you have to wonder, wouldn't Floyd have been better used maybe getting after the passer? That was a blitz. That was a, a safety blitz by Harold Jones-Cordy. So you see what, what Fangio was trying to do. But, uh, you know, it just seems that, uh, you know, one quarter of his snaps as a pass rusher, come on, that you got to be you better utilize a guy with his type of ability. We've seen his his uh, his ability to turn the corner. Let it, let him let him play. You know, let him get out there and do what he can do best, and see what he can do and how he can impact the uh, the Bears on third down. That's one of the biggest things that have hurt them. The uh, the, the the Cowboys were five for eleven on third down in that game, and and that was just because of a you know Dak Prescott was making good decisions, getting the ball out quickly, and really didn't have a whole lot of pressure on him. So you know, until you you, you can use Floyd all you want in coverage, and he does have a little bit of value there. But until he starts rushing the passer and passer and forcing early throws or getting the quarterback down on third downs, you're not getting full value out of your top 10 draft pick right there. Moving over to the secondary, I thought Adrian Amos had a really strong game, and I think that we've seen through these first three weeks that he is starting to develop, improve over his rookie season. Not that he was horrible as a rookie, uh, you know, played the most snaps of any defender for the Bears last year, 16-game starter, was solid, but wasn't great, had some holes, especially in coverage. And now we're seeing Amos kind of take that step forward. That big hit he had on Cole Beasley early in the game to uh, to, uh, stop him short of the the first down on the third down play that was a monster hit by uh, by Amos and he, you know he had a couple other big hits in the game as did Harold Jones Cordy so it, it's clear with with those two uh, young players that the Bears have a pair of safeties who aren't afraid to stick their nose in the dirt and really get down and dirty and, and lay some hits on guys. And that's what you'd like to see. You'd like to see a little bit more awareness and coverage from both players, and especially from Harold jones Torre. You want to see him wrap up a little bit better. The, the play that uh, he ended up getting a concussion on was him just trying to uh, you know, lay out Ezekiel Elliott, and he ended up uh, you know, dropping his head, and Elliott dropped his head, and bam, that's how he got the concussion. If he wraps up, uses a form tackle, he probably saves himself from injury and takes Elliott down in the process. So you like to see a little bit more form tackling out of him but that's something that should come along something that they might be able to develop as they move on but it is it, it, it's promising to see uh, both of those guys really taking it up another level and uh, you know not being a liability on the back end I don't I don't think that li- the quarterback was a liability either I thought Tracy Porter had a good game against Des Bryant uh, got spun around on that touchdown pass from Bryant on that slant but otherwise Des Bryant was really held in check similar to what Porter was able to do against DeAndre Hopkins in week one so of all the guys who you know has really gone unnoticed so far as it's been Porter and what he's been the consistency that he's shown he's given up a few plays 
and I think he's given up a couple of touchdowns already. But, uh, you know, overall, I think that his play has been above average. Uh, same can't be said for Jacoby Glenn. Did have the forced fumble yesterday, but that was after giving up the huge play to Terrence Williams where he was beat. Uh, Glenn beat again on a, on a fly pattern early in the game by Cole Be- Beasley, which uh, he ended up falling down at the one-yard line. Could have easily been a touchdown right there as well. You know, you see good things out of Jacoby Glenn. He's a, he's a tall, uh, you know, rangy, lanky uh, type of cornerback. And he does make plays, the occasional plays. I mean, he, he, he can uh, get up on a receiver and, and, and get that PBU, but he also gives up a lot of plays. And I think that's what, what you're going to get when you're talking about a second-year guy like Glenn who just uh, doesn't have a lot of experience. You're going to go through some of these uh, rough patches with him. You do see some flashes, though, and that's promising. But I think maybe uh, if Kyle Fuller can get back, he might be able to push Glenn to play a little bit better. Bryce Callahan getting back would help as well. Uh, but I, you know, Joe, Jacoby Glenn needs in those contests when when he knows, you know, Dak Prescott was looking at Glenn all night. They knew that uh, you know Des Bryant wasn't 100 percent in that game. Tracy Porter was playing well on him, and they and they picked on Glenn over and over, especially with Williams and Beasley. And Glenn really didn't have an answer. Made a couple of plays, but overall, you know, he he was the reason that the the, the uh, Cowboys were able to have so much success through the air. And I think it's hopefully, you know, for the Bears' uh, sake, it can be a learning experience for Glenn and that he can learn from these reps that he's getting right now because the kid does have some potential. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how he, uh, you know, bounces back uh, from that performance or whether or not it's something that uh, causes him to spiral downward and, uh, you know, puts gets Kyle Fuller back on the field sooner than later. Overall, the Bears have forced just two turnovers total uh, during the season so far. And, you know, th- that's a big thing right there. I mean, if you, if you, if if you don't have the talent, you can often make up for that lack of talent, but with turnovers, with timely plays like that, uh, especially turnovers in the red zone when other teams are driving, I mean, g- game-changing plays like that can often you know, mitigate your lack of talent, especially when you have as many injuries as the Bears do on defense, and they're just not getting those turnovers. It's a, a you know, repeat of last season when they were the, one of the worst teams in the league at trading turnovers. Two through three games, I mean, you, you know, you're looking at what, uh, uh, maybe 10 turnovers? I don't know the math there, but I mean, it's, it's just a Again, it's not going to get the job done, and uh, if they do expect to win some games here down the stretch and not be one of the worst teams in the NFL, that that has to change. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see if they're able to do. I mean, we were so spoiled with Lovey Smith and all those uh, uh, Smith teams that were able to, to create all those turnovers, and it's just dried up like a desert. So until that starts, you know, until they start creating and making some of those game-changing plays, I don't know how much we're going to see difference. Uh, you know, happening on the on the scoreboard going forward. Before I move on to the offense, I do want to say that that uh, the onside chick that the Bears had in the uh, second quarter, I thought that uh, took some stones. I thought it uh, was executed properly, and I didn't see anybody offside there. I thought the Bears really got hosed on that call, and that could have been a game changing play. They were they, uh, they were only down uh, I think ten points when that happened. So you know you never know what's going to happen at that point, whether or not they're going to be able to get some momentum and and, and you know change the way that that game was happening. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really surprised that the, the refs were so quick to throw a flag on that. And uh, the refs made a lot of bad calls in that game. John Fox uh, had two challenges that were uh, you know, correct. And if he could have challenged that one, that one would have been correct as well. So uh, refs were really on the, you know, I, I don't like playing games on the refs, but uh, you know, the, 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 the refs in that game had a really tough time. And I thought the Bears got uh, the, the short end of the stick on the, the, the majority of those calls. Over the offensive side of the ball, we did talk a little bit about the backfield and uh, you know the, the the run game, which I I, I, shot, I thought showed some promise. Uh, but uh, you know you, you're not going to. There was no consistency consistency in the passing game, and I think that uh, that 
that starts with Brian Hoyer. I mean, he wasn't sacked in that game. I, I know that there was a he, he went down and fumbled late in the game, and uh, during the game during the game they called it a sack, but on the, uh, the the official score sheet it's not listed as a sack. So officially, as of right now, Bears didn't allow a sack in that game. Only one quarterback hit, so Hoyer had time. They just he just couldn't find guys open, and when uh, you know you know plays weren't working that the that Loggins were calling, it seemed like on a lot of the third down plays. Dallas just knew, you know, Rod Marinelli knew exactly what uh, Loggins was going to do and was all over it. There was a few plays where they tried bootlegs to get a guy uh, sneaking out underneath into the flats, and the Dallas was just right on top of it, and nobody was open. A guy was in Hoyer's face, and he had to throw it away. So, uh, you know, in, in that chess game between an offensive and a defensive coordinator, Marinelli won out big time in that contest. But also Hoyer, uh, you know, he made some plays, but there was, you know, his his inaccuracy, particularly in the downfield balls, uh, was really a, 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 had a very big negative effect for them, and you know they didn't even really throw the ball much downfield early in the game. It took a moment until the fourth quarter till they really started airing it out, and that's when they were able to move the ball. And Dallas doesn't have a great secondary, so you have to wonder why it took them so long. Uh, or, or locking so long to start calling some downfield throws. I know that Alshon Jeffrey wasn't 100%. You could see it out there. He was laboring a bit. Uh, but, you know, he's your best receiver. And, you know, what he does best is going down and getting up those 50-50 balls. I think he was healthy enough to make some of those plays. And they just didn't give him a lot of opportunities. They didn't start throwing uh, deep to Kevin White until uh, late in the game, until I think their final drive, final two drives. And I, you just wonder why... You know, you didn't run the ball much, and you didn't throw the ball deep. What was your strategy in this contest? So, uh, I think a lot of this falls on Loggins. I didn't think the execution was horrible from from Hoyer's standpoint. I know he did miss some balls, but I think a lot of the third down struggles are him just not having a plan and him getting out out coached basically by Rod Marinelli. Going to going to Hoyer. I mean, this is something that uh, it's worth talking about uh, for a while now, and we're probably going to discuss it for the rest of the season, especially if Jay Cutler struggles. But do, did we see enough out of Brian Hoyer for you know if the Bears want to transition next year, get a get a young quarterback, draft him early, first second round quarterback, a guy that they believe can be a franchise QB. You need that bridge quarterback, that veteran. Uh, that, 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 that that rookie can learn behind. Did Hoyer show enough last night to be that bridge quarterback and a guy that that, that a young kid could learn from? I, you know, you look at Hoyer has experience. He he he's won some games in in his career, and uh, you know he, he he has a lot he could teach to a younger guy. How many games are you going to win with him? I don't think you're going to win a lot, but I don't think it, it, you know that even a great quarterback is going to help this team right now with the with the amount of holes and the amount of injuries that it has. So going forward, if you don't feel that all the pieces are there and if you see a lot of holes on this team, why not, hey, let's get let's move on from Jay Cutler if that's what they want to do, not pay that 17 uh 16 or 17 million that he's owed next season. Move on from that contract and, you know, start working toward a, you know, a, a future without Jay Cutler. If that's what they want to do, I, you know, I, I don't think Brian Hoyer is going to lead him to the playoffs, but I think he's good enough to win a few games, and he's, he has the experience to be, uh, you know, a mentor to the young to the young guy if that's the route that they want to take. That said, Brian Hoyer missed some, had some ugly misses yesterday. Uh, he, you know, the Bears were down by 14 in the fourth quarter. He had Cameron Meredith wide open down the right sideline. That ball. You know, safety safety was late. Safety was about good ten yards away. If that ball's on target, that likely goes for a touchdown, which cuts the lead down to one score, seven points with about uh, I think it was about less than four minutes to play. And all of a sudden, you have a game right there. 
Uh, one of the third down passes later on in the game, Hoyer threw, uh, uh, you know, I think it was uh, deep into the sidelines. And then one of the final plays, a, a jump ball to Trevin White, which should have been in the back corner of the end zone, was four, you know, like four rows deep into the stand. So, uh, you know, th- those are those are really bad accuracy issues for a quarterback that's been around in the league this uh, this uh, long. And you know, it all happened on deep balls. Um, you know, that's where you see the difference between Brian Hoyer and. Uh, Jay Cutler, and maybe you understand, you know, maybe that's something that, that Dow Loggins understands. He knows that, that Hoyer doesn't have that accuracy, and that's why he was so focused on the, the short passing game. But when, but against a suspect secondary, when, when, when things aren't working, when you're not able to uh, control the clock and things aren't working on third down, let's air it out. Let's see what he can do. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a struggle with Hoyer out there, but I do think he, he showed enough. His, his TD passes to Zach Miller, who had a great game. Both of those were quality plays and uh, finishing off quality drives. So I think that they can score the occasional points, uh, you know, get the occasional score on occasional drives with Brian Hoyer. And if the defense ever steps up, they, they might be able to compete at that level. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, I think I saw enough out of Brian Hoyer. I don't know if everybody else did, and I, I'm not saying he's a great quarterback, but if that's how they want to go, uh, I, I'd be down with that. One of the players who did play very well, and I just mentioned him, Zach Miller, two touchdowns. I think it's uh, eight catches. Let me just want to look here at the total, final number. The eight catches for 78 yards and those two scores really look good uh, on nine targets. So he, he trot all but one ball. Uh, look good in the, the intermediate stuff. Look good deep down the field. That uh, that catch he had on that that, that uh, deep post, he got he got leveled on that. Uh, still hung on to the ball. Took a couple of hits on both of his touchdowns, especially that second one, a shot right to the head and pop right back up. Uh, you, you have to wonder why Jay Cutler was kind of ignoring Zach Miller. He only had seven catches through the first two games and, and, and you know beat that with the eight catches in this third contest. Obviously, Brian Hoyer saw the value in throwing to Zach Miller, so hopefully, for the Bears' sake, if this offense is going to keep going, if Cutler does return here uh, next week or the week after, you know whoever's under center is going to keep feeding Zach Miller because right now he's you know a healthy Zach Miller with, with Alshon banged up out wide and Kevin White still getting his feet wet. I mean, Zach Miller is probably your most consistent weapon on offense right now and not a guy who should be ignored, and he, he showed a lot of that last night in the uh, third contest. Finally, let's talk a little bit about Kevin White. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey did, uh, you know, he was a baller out there. He tried uh, five out of seven attempts, five catches for 70 yards. But you could tell that he was banged up and just didn't have the burst and the uh, the speed and the, the movement that he had uh, or that he has when he's healthy. But, uh, you know, let's talk about Kevin White. Targeted 14 times, only got six receptions, ended up with 62 receiving yards. Not the greatest of games. And, uh, you know, I... You, you do see Kevin White still making a lot of mistakes. Uh, you, you'd like to see a little bit more from him, given his size, in those 50-50 jump ball situations. I thought White, if, if Hoyer would have given him better passes, White might have been able to make a couple of better plays on those 50-50 balls. But, uh, you, you know, you, you just don't see him dominating in those scenarios. But he did have that circus grab where he reached over Morris Claiborne tipped the ball to himself and was able to make the catch that uh, right along the sidelines right there, stayed in bounds. And that right there, you see the potential in Kevin White when he makes those plays. Uh, you know, he he, he was a, he got deep uh, past the corner on another play, ended up dropping the pass. That's a concern, but, you know, you did see some of that speed. Everybody's like, where's the speed? Where's the speed? Well, he did show it on that play, was able to get behind the defense. And, you, you know, you see those flashes. He's not completing plays. He's not... Uh, coming up big when the Bears need him most. There was a third down uh, pass that was errant on a slant route, but White was able to get both hands on it on a diving attempt. Tough grab. 
but he did get both hands on it, but wasn't able to pull it in. So you you see, you almost see that he's right there. He's almost on the next step from really taking another step forward. And I think he still has maybe five or six steps to go before he reaches his potential. But I, I am seeing small progress out of him, and I think that's that's all you can ask for at this point. He's obviously wasn't uh, the you know the type of day one product that you know Amari Cooper was uh, when he when he uh, broke out with the Raiders. But uh, you know. At this point, he is what he is, and Kevin White just needs to start making, uh, taking those small steps forward. You know, you remember, you know, Travon Johnson didn't didn't blow the roof off of uh, the NFL his first year in the NFL. A lot of Hall of Famers didn't have great first seasons in the NFL. So I'm not, you know, let's. I think a lot of this bus talk with Kevin White because he's not going out there and and, and lighting up the field is a little bit premature, uh, in my opinion. I think let's give him some time and see if he continue continues to take these small steps forward. You're seeing it little by little. You'd like to see a little bit more. I know you want that immediate production, especially out of a top ten pick. But he is what he is, and let's let's you know. Hopefully, for the for the sake of the Bears' offense, he continues to take these small steps forward, and he starts making more plays when the, when the you know the Bears need him most. So moving on, the Bears host the Detroit Lions at home this week, and if the Bears don't win this week. That will make it a full year since they've won a game at Soldier Field. And that's, uh, you know, Bears fans deserve better than that. I, I feel I, that's the, you know, I, I'm at these games every week at Soldier Field. And you can feel the energy just get drained out of Soldier Field each and every week. And, the, and it's been going on for a year. I mean, if they don't win, it'll be over a year uh, since, they've, since they've last won at home. And that's sad. That's, that's disappointing. That's disheartening for, uh, you know, the season ticket holders who work very hard for that money to spend and sit in those seats. So, you know, for, for your sake, I, I, you know, I hope that the Bears can, can pull off something against the Lions team uh, that, that, you know, has been a little bit up and down uh, so far this season. Uh, like, I, like I talked about earlier, I think that the, the, the ability to create turnovers, especially against Matthew Stafford, who has had some timely turnovers, some poor games against the Bears in the past, uh, I think I think that's critical. I think that the the fact that the Bears don't have to deal with Calvin Johnson is a big plus. Uh, the Lions are also without their starting running back Amir Abdullah, who was placed on injured reserve. I think with a foot injury, it was, and uh, he's going to be out for the season. So the running game really struggled last week, and uh, you know the, the the Lions really got really got pummeled by the Packers last week in the first half. Where, you know Stafford ended up you know just airing it out like crazy in the second half, and they made it a close game. But, you know, they, they came out flat and uh, kind of looked like the bad Lions of old. Marvin Jones is, is definitely a weapon. Had, uh, I believe, over 200 yards last week. He's definitely somebody to contend with. Doesn't, you know, he isn't, he isn't Megatron, but he definitely looked like, you know, he produced like Megatron last week. So he's, uh, I, I, I suspect we'll see Tracy Porter on Marvin Jones. And that will, uh, you know, if he can have the type of success he had last week against Des Bryant and week one against DeAndre Hopkins, you know, the Bears might be able to shut him out. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think this is a, the, you know, a game where I, I don't expect Jay Cutler to play. I think we're going to see Brian Hoyer again. I wouldn't expect Danny Trebatham back. I know Eddie Goldman won't be out there. So we're, uh, you know, you, you're going to be without Jeremy Langford as well. And who knows about uh, Harold Jones Corte? You might be without one of your safeties. And, and you don't, you, we don't know about Bryce Callahan either. So a lot of, lot of starters could be out in this game. I can't sugarcoat it. You know, I don't expect the Bears to win. Uh, I think any win here, as long as these guys are out and as long as Pernell McPhee's on pup, I think any win here going forward is going to be a surprise. And it's sad to say, and I wish I, could, I, wish I had better things to say about the Bears, but you know, it is what it is. I, I, you, when you have no depth and this many injuries, 
you know, you're running a beast wad out there, and, and those guys just, you know, the, they're eventually going to get worn down, and, the, you know, the better team's going to win out, and that's what we've seen over the last three weeks. So uh, I, I don't have high hopes for the Bears this week, but, uh, you know, those divisional games, you never know. Sometimes it doesn't matter how bad a team is doing. Uh, when, you, when you get one of those hated rivals into your own, uh, your own stadium, it, it sometimes changes. Uh, the way the game is played, and it really doesn't matter whether or not you have a you know a lower level of talent. I, and we're not we're not saying that the Lions are a great team here, so uh, that you know we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if the Bears are able to uh, you know maybe finally get a get a win for you. Uh, but uh, w- w- I don't I, you know I, I think a lot of things are going to have to go right, and I think that the Bears are going to have to create a lot more turnovers than they've done so far. If that's going to happen, I'm really looking forward to seeing Jordan Howard out there, seeing how they're going to be able to use him, and seeing if they can really start to lean a little bit more on the run game. Remember the Bears, uh, I think, of the third fewest rushing attempts. In the NFL, Loggins needs to, to ride Jordan Howard, throw the ball a little bit more to, to, to Alshon Jeffrey, who hopefully will be a little bit more healthy this week. That's it for the Week 4 Bear Report podcast. Guys, thanks for hanging out with me. I know uh, it was just me this week, so you might have got a little tired of hearing me. Aaron will be back next week. And if you do want to follow Aaron on Twitter, make sure to do it at Aaron Lemming NFL. Give me a follow at Bear Report. Come check us out on Facebook. Talk to me at the Bear Report message boards. And have yourselves a great week, guys. Hopefully we're talking about a Bears win over the Lions next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.